Welcome to Food Safety University, episode number 40. And today we are talking about that driver of your culture, corrective actions. Who are you really going to be when you're doing corrective actions in your facility? Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannensteel of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn about food safety and processing in plain terms. We'll break down the ins and outs of HACCP, the food code, and much, much more so that you can easily implement and manage your own food safety program and even have some fun while doing so. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the next episode in our leadership series. I am so excited with the feedback that I have been getting about this uh, because people have um, people have just been so excited about how much it has helped. You know, I often I often talk about how we have a paucity of leadership in food manufacturing spaces. And I think that this kind of work that we're doing here in knowing who we are uh, when we are out there in the working world, creating our results is really the path forward for everybody to be more successful. Okay. And uh, for all of the work to feel a whole lot better. So today we're going to do a, uh, an episode on corrective actions. Now, I have covered corrective actions several times here on the podcast, but today I am going to do it just a little bit differently. Okay. I have, if you've heard me teach, you uh, have probably heard me say to the class corrective actions uh, and calling out what's wrong without fear of retribution is the metric of food safety in your facility. Like that is, you know, if people can say this is going wrong without fear of retribution, that's how you know you have created the culture that you want to create. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is just a, is, is the who before how way of looking at that. And I want to do this because next week uh, in Food Safety University, I'm going to be debuting the uh, plant manager series. Okay. And in the plant manager series, we cover who before how, and you actually have homework on it. Okay. So now is the time to get yourself into uh, into the program because we're going to be, there's going to be lots of emails and lots of training going out. And this program is going to be world changing. Okay. It is going to change the way you look at everything, the way you look at your leadership uh, as a leader in the plant and the tools that you have to give the other leaders in your plants. Okay. So if you are not in Food Safety University, I want you to go to derigofoodsafety.com. I want you to just take a look at all the stuff. Uh, and I want you to book a call with me and let's talk about getting you in there. <laughs> okay. So what, what it comes down to today that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about shame. Okay. The number one thing I think that stops people from creating their corrective actions is the shame of seeing what they did written out on paper for other people to 
read, okay? And we feel shame because we think thoughts, okay? We think thoughts around being right, about not being able to be wrong, about having to do things better than we did them, okay? But I want to tell you something. There is a massive difference between shame and guilt, okay? Guilt is a feeling of, or, you know, you can decide whether guilt is an action or a feeling. Maybe remorse is the feeling and guilt is the action, um, but it's kind of academic, uh, over something that you did, over an action. Shame is coming from a belief about who you are and your worthiness, okay? So they are really very, very different, okay? Now, in a perfect world, shame shame wouldn't exist. But as I was thinking about this last night, I think evolutionarily, we have shame uh, because it drives us, it drives a lot of things forward. You know, like my, my um, path of destruction, as I call it, my shame path of destruction, or my perfect girl path of destruction, um, has led to a lot of forced excellence in my life. Okay, and I'm going to talk about what that what that actually looks like. But I think that for those of you who do shame-based learning, shame-based critical control point evaluation and verification and things like that, uh, shame-based HR systems. I mean, the, the reason that we do that is because we remember being shamed about something in childhood and vowing to be better. But the problem is, is that the price of that vow is just too damn high. Okay. And Shame-based learning, shame-based systems, just they just don't work, okay? And for those of you who are trying to create a culture where you want to recruit and retain the best people, shame-based culture needs to be eradicated. And it's a cultural conversation that we need to have as a society as a whole, but also as food manufacturers, because I'm not going to lie, I've, I've seen plant managers humiliate floor workers, Okay, it's not right. Uh, um, I call it out when I see it, but I absolutely totally see it. And what I what I want to talk about today is, you know, if you want to learn the hows of corrective actions, I got like a bunch of programs about that. There's like a, a, you can probably find like hours of me on YouTube talking about how to do a corrective action. But today I want to talk to you about what result are you trying to create from your corrective action, okay? Are you trying to create a better process? Are you trying to create more community? Are you trying to create um, the possibility for being a better company that is more profitable, okay? Are you, you know, if it's a corrective action out of a recall uh, and there are people who are getting harmed, um, you know, what are you trying to keep your community safe, right? And, and prevent, you know, prevent the risk of foodborne illness. Those are all things that you got to think about. What health results, what wealth results, and what community results could you get in your corrective actions? Because I promise you, corrective actions can lead to positive results in all of those 
areas. And I know for many of you, that seems counterintuitive that corrective actions are just another way to demonstrate how you are wrong. But that's kind of a fairly immature way of thinking about it. Okay. And if you're using corrective actions that way, I'm inviting you to change doing that. Okay. And developing the capability to change how you look at your corrective actions process and address your corrective actions process really as a way that you can grow. Okay. And so, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, Shame comes into the corrective actions process because we feel like we should have done it right to begin with. That there are so many of us and who go into food, who work in kitchens, um, and then move from the kitchen to food manufacturing, just that just have these neural pathways of shame like completely ingrained in us. And it's reinforced by society, right? I mean, you know, you look at Jamie Oliver and that there's that stupid thing where he puts a piece of bread on either side of somebody's head and says, this is a stupid sandwich or an idiot sandwich or something, right? That shit's not helpful. Okay. It's, and it's terrible. And, and it excuses and makes fun of cultures that are incredibly destructive, right? But the problem is, is that so many of us, come to the food industry through kitchens like that. And then we develop habits that that's how you treat people. Okay, and kitchens are clearly not the only place where this happens. I'm a veterinarian, I have seen this happen in vet hospitals. Okay, and I mean, I have been told I am stupid at work. Um, You know, um, to my face, I've had things thrown at me. I have lived through shame-based being in charge. I am not, I am, I am not glorifying it in any other way because it is not leadership. But here's the deal. Shame is unearned. It's unearned. The reason people are trying to create the conditions for you to feel shame is because they themselves feel shame. I don't for a minute think when Jamie Oliver is performing like that, he feels good about himself. I just think he's an immature brat when he does that. Uh, Okay. I think that the things that we've seen and heard in kitchens, you know, you can very much apply hurt people, hurt people. And perpetuating that sort of stuff is incredibly destructive. Um, And it comes from the person who's actually doing it, their own shame. Well, their shame is unearned too. Okay. But shame is learned. People teach us shame, okay? And then for so many of us who are, who are just kind of naturally high achievers, who love going and getting goals, your shame is looped to being perfect, okay? It starts in childhood when we're looking at the behavior, like our behaviors, okay? And when you do something out of line and somebody says to you, you should be ashamed of yourself, uh, okay, that's the thing that happens. Um, And I was certainly taught being wrong about behavior is shameful. Now, I went to Catholic school and this was very much reinforced in Catholic school, okay, 
the behaviors that I exhibited about eating or about playing or um, about getting along with people or about doing my homework or whatever, when I stepped out of line, uh, that wasn't me being a kid. That was, that was, that was shameful behavior. Okay. And so what this led to was this like path of destruction. Okay. And what I have figured out is, is that in my own self and in my success and in my excellence and everything, that there are really kind of three thoughts that I have brought to the fore. Okay. That have led to a lot of my success. I have a podcast um, about productive negative emotion. All right. And what I'm about to describe is a productive negative emotion. Right. So the first, the first one is, is that I have to be right about everything. Now, folks, there are things that I have to be right about. I am a regulatory veterinarian. I'm not allowed to be wrong about an awful lot of things, but I don't have to be right about everything. <laughs> okay. Um, so then there's the other thought that I think is, is that there's no place uh, I can't make better. Okay. So I do a lot of volunteer work. I'm very active in organized veterinary medicine. I'm very active in what I call organized Wellesley, my undergrad institution. Right. I'm, I am, I am a civically active person because I kind of feel like there's no place I can't make better. Right. The, the corollary thought to that is, is I am always needed for everything. Those three thoughts lead to this feeling of like cheerleading or forced excellence is what I call it. Okay. But underlying those thoughts is um, I am wrong. All right. It's not that I have to be right. It's that I believe that I'm wrong in any, you know, like in any circumstance, like I, and, and it's complicated. Right. And I'm, and there are times when I don't believe it. I don't believe I'm wrong over everything, but when I'm doing this like cheerleading thing, right. It, what underlies all of that is the idea that I'm wrong. Okay. When I, the underlying thought of around, there's no place I can't make better is I don't belong. And then the underlying thought under, I am always needed for everything is no one needs me. Okay. I'm not saying these thoughts are logical. I'm saying these are thoughts that I have learned. And in the depths of my postpartum depression that I had when my daughter was born, I could not for the life of me, I was nursing my kid and I couldn't figure out why anybody needed me. It's not like I was suicidal. I just had no idea why anybody needed me. All right. All those thoughts feel like despair to me. Okay. And then that starts what Brene Brown calls a shame spiral. And the parallel thought to I am wrong is, is I don't deserve to be right. The parallel thought to I don't belong is, is I don't deserve to be here. And the parallel thought to no one needs me is I don't deserve to be cared for. Those three, okay, lead to shame. And then I basically say, unless I'm perfect, unless I work harder, that's I, I, I don't deserve any of these things. Okay. And I see that in a lot of my clients. If I just work harder, right. If I am just perfect, I won't have to feel this shame that comes on us when we make mistakes. Okay. Because we don't believe mistakes are for us. We think mistakes are for other people and we have to be perfect. All right. And that's the loop of perfectionism. 
And so when it comes to writing a corrective action, who wouldn't get frozen in place by that? You're never going to write a corrective action from thinking you have to be perfect because a corrective action by definition shows the imperfections in the system. Okay. And when you are sitting there in shame, everybody wallows in shame, right? We believe that this is truly who we are, right? And we go and we find evidence of our unworthiness and we don't do the work. We don't care for ourselves, right? Then went from there, you like, you're like, well, that's my limit. This is everything that I can do. And you get super defeated and you just stop and you quit ahead of time. So if you are wondering why you have this pile of things that you have to write corrective actions about and you're not doing it, it's because you're quitting ahead of time because you're believing that the shame is who you are, that the mistakes are who you are, right? And you are 100% believing that that's where, like, that's the truth. But I got to tell you, you are not reporting the news when you talk about that, okay? You're really not. And I want to offer you the idea that it's possible for you to be wrong about your thoughts, that you have to be perfect. You could be imperfect in your thoughts about perfectionism. And when you're looking at your corrective actions and asking yourself what went wrong, what should be happening, who's responsible, how are we going to train those people for that responsibility? How are we going to make sure we don't have adulterated food going into the food stream, right? What does it look like to decide that that fear and anxiety and shame is not a good enough reason to stop, okay? And that the growth of the culture of your company is saying, oh, wow, we feel really terrible about this and we're gonna do the work anyway. Because if you look at your who and you look at the highest results that you're calling yourself to, okay, That who, when you feel so terrible, would probably give you a big old hug and say, feeling like this isn't forever. Okay? And feeling bad about what's going on isn't forever. And you don't have to make decisions from feeling like a big old steaming pile of nastiness, right? You don't have to make decisions from there. All right? You can give yourself a few minutes, and I promise it really only takes a few minutes to feel all of that 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 despair and that shame. Find it in your body, okay? Find all of that in your body, and then recognize it. Decide that you are safe in here, and decide, even with all those negative emotions, that you're safe to write a corrective action. And then go ask your highest self, your biggest intention. You know, mine is love, service, and self-respect. What would love and service and self-respect do here? What would grounded do here? What would connection do here? That question, whatever your intention is, is always available to you. And that's how you write corrective actions that change the world. 
That's how you write corrective actions that drive you forward and create the culture that you want to have. Um, Develop the capacity to just sit with that shame, with that anxiety, and with feeling awful, and know that that isn't the truth. Give yourself equal airtime for all the good stuff. Give your inner intention equal airtime when you're in the middle of feeling awful, and it'll change everything about how you write corrective actions. That's what I've got for you today. Y'all have a great week. And we'll catch you at the next episode. Thanks for listening. Before you go, click the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com, where we have free food safety guides waiting for you. Until next time, keep up the great work.